This week's episode is brought to you by the Film Rescue Show. The Film Rescue Show is a long-form podcast in which their crew and a guest fix a film every week. Want a good first episode? Check out episode 89 with Axel and myself, where he pitched fixes for the League of Extraordinary Drummond. Still waiting on that call, Warner Brothers. For fans of filmmaking, writing, and behind-the-scenes content, check out the Film Rescue Show on all your favorite podcasting sites today. and welcome to Geeks with Shields, your home for all things good and nerdy in this, the darkest timeline. I'm Lord Commander Ulrich, and with me as always is... It's Shield Brother, Axel Wright. How's it going today, man? Mm, ups and downs, and uh, I'm going to be keeping my eye, my hands on the, uh, the mute button so that hopefully you don't hear screaming and cursing in the background of my, uh, my where I am. <laughs> all right, less said the better than I... So... We're going to start this episode on a positive note by thanking the people that support this pod- podcast. They are our wonderful, wonderful patrons. And they are Pam Galley, Marquis, Chris Chipman, River Galley, Krug, Arthur Crane, Kevin Vey, Brennan Eggman, John Villas, Kate Kenny Solomonsky, and Seth Decker. I did it all in one breath. Now, if you'd like to join that illustrious legion and really push my Micro Machines man te- uh, voice to the test, head on over to patreon.com forward slash geeks with shields. 25 cents an episode means you get early access to all our content. Now... This week, we're joined by a very special guest. Special guest, would you like to introduce yourself? Am I the special guest? I hope you're the special guest. <laughs> hey, it's uh, Dan, the Lonely Havoc. How you guys doing? Good, man. Gee, Been a while since we've had you to? on. Yeah, it was like a year, I think. I checked on my Skype when we made the call, and it says we haven't talked in over a year. So, look at that. Wow. I can't believe it was that long. We like having you on. Yeah. Okay. Well, we got a lot of guests. Yeah. What was the topic? Is it? Anyone remember? I talked 40K. about yeah. I talked about Warhammer 40k with you guys. Ah, all right. I'll take it. <laughs> he said, oh. <laughs> "I must have been a pretty memorable guest then." I will take any excuse to talk 40k. So it makes sense for me. I right. just have bad memory. So I, I oh, who's my brother? I don't know what's going on. Where am I? I have the worst memory. No, it's funny. We're getting to that point. We've done enough episodes. I have to pause and think. Wait a second. Did we do that episode? Did I think about doing that episode, or are we doing that episode? It's it's interesting. I, I I'm kind of I'm kind of proud of it, but at the same time, like, oh man, when we cross a hundred, it's gonna get real tricky. Remember what we've done. Well, speaking of topics, Ulrich, what topic did you, are we having today with the glorious return of the Lonely Havoc? Well, it's not 40k, which you know I'm all for. Dan, he's not on a one-trick pony. We're talking about movie genres, kind of ones that have fallen by the wayside, been forgotten, or they just don't make anymore. And this has been one I've been wanting to talk about for a while, because when you start thinking about it, a lot of genres start kind of cropping up like, wait a second, when was the last time they did that? And then you remember and you go, oh, that's why they stopped doing that. Oh, in order to satiate my semantic inner self, I suppose, what are we defining as genre for purposes of this conversation? So it's Saturday night, you're going into Blockbuster, and you got to pick a movie, and they're categorized in those little, you know, brackets, and then we can get some nitty gritty from there. But I feel like that's the basic thing. Is like if you're stocking film at the films at the movies at you know your video rental store, like those exist anymore. This is where <laughs> you would find. He <laughs> said blockbuster. So, I was like, oh, hey. So this is what would generally be called the you know it when you see it taxonomy, which is useful for conversation and not much else. But since we're having a conversation here, I guess that works. Yes, this is this is not an academic podcast. I'm 
I'm sorry, confused listeners. No, not if I'm the guest. It's definitely not academic. <laughs> so, Dan, why don't you start us off? Because you 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 had some thought on this. Yeah, I was um, whenever you gave me that list of like topics, and I started thinking about movie genres, and I you know I started to think about the spoof, you know, movie spoofs, and these were like super popular, like in like the '80s and '90s, and you don't see them much now, and if you do, it's like they go straight to streaming or something like that, and they're just pretty awful. But I'm talking about yeah. like. Any Mel Brooks movies, you know, he did like Spaceballs and Blazing Saddles and uh, one of my all time Robin Hood Men in Tights. Yeah, that's an awesome movie. Like anything that he's done is basically like a spoof from the get go. And um, uh, Spinal Tap, you guys have you seen this is Spinal Tap? Oh, yeah, this is Spinal Tap. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's like uh, it's one of the best. I mean, because I'm also a musician and, you know, and everything. So it's like you have to watch it if you're a musician. But, you know, it was like definitely a spoof on like those sort of like rockumentaries uh, that they were doing. Like a lot of bands were having people follow them around. And uh, it just takes all that stuff and just totally makes it completely ridiculous. And the best thing about that movie is like it's almost completely just off the cuff. Like they they did the whole thing with like a, a, a guideline, but no script. And it's it's amazing. Yeah. No, there is those. Go ahead. Again, to, 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 to satiate me, uh, I imagine <laughs> the definition of a, a spoof movie is a movie whose primary goal, first of all, it's a comedy. I mean, we're talking yeah. about spoof. Oh, absolutely. And it's specifically lampooning some other type of movie, as in uh, some specific franchise or some specific genre, something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. This conversation earlier, like what makes a spoof? Well, it's like you take a, a situation that you've seen before, like it, like sometimes it's like literal scenes from movies, and they just they they twist it and they do something funny with it. So it like kind of comes from something that existed before and just makes a funny spin on it. Yeah, no, Blazing Saddles is like a great example of it makes fun of the Western genre, but it also kind of deconstructs a lot of it. Oh yeah. I so I remember growing up, right, when uh, there was that the span of time, I think I was in high school, when it was all, like, literal deadpan. They're not deadpan, sorry. Very upfront about being spoof movies, spoof movies, as in they literally mm -hmm. just had the word movie in that. Obviously, start with scary movie. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. movie, epic movie and all that stuff. Not another teen movie. Yeah, I love <laughs> not another teen movie. But... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I, I do remember having this thought when I was young, because I didn't know any better, that uh, the first one I remember being exposed to, even though I didn't realize this what it was at the time, was probably Austin Powers, which is basically spy movie. Yeah. <laughs> no, that, that's when we were in the sweet spot, because I think you hit uh, the middle of the genre and then the death of the genre. That middle being, you know, the 90s when they were, you know, they had their real clever ones. I mean... It was the. Yeah, I, didn't, the I, mean, I didn't mean to skip ahead in the 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 chronology here. I was just making a point of like how it was just an interesting kind of realization that sometimes there's like a, I think a distinction, an important distinction between the spoofs that like are more or more blatant about being spoofs mm -hmm. and the ones that are a little more because like I feel like Austin Powers then kind of took off its own kind of thing and kind of ceased being a spoof and became its own franchise really, whereas right, yeah. like Scary Movie was just like all right now what set of movies are we messing with now right. and yeah. And I'm sure spoofs have existed since basically as long as films existed. But I'm, but as you pointed out, Mel Brooks is probably, as far as I know, the earliest ones. So yeah, he was when like, did yeah, airplane come out? Oh man, that stuff is from like uh, maybe late '70s, early '80s, even. Yeah, I think Blazing Saddles beats Airplane by a hair. Oh, I'm sure. Airplane's another great example. And I think, you know, what Axel said that you, you pinpointed it, it stopped being really good spoof movies when it was subtle about being a spoof movie. Like, Blazing Saddles came out in 74. 
Wow. Yeah. 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 It's funny because when I think of Mel Brooks, right, my brain goes to uh, Young Frankenstein first. Oh, <laughs> and, and that's also a spoof, though, you know, like from all those old horror movies. But yeah. my brain my brain goes to Spaceballs second, and Spaceballs yes. has to be a lot later because of the, the specific movies that it's it's parodying. But yeah, yeah. like mid-80s. Let's look it up. We have, the, we have the ability to look these things up. Let's see what Spaceballs came out in 87, according to my phone here. That makes sense. But my, my point is I certainly didn't expect Blazing Saddles to be that old i knew it was shot (laughs) a certain way because it was westerns but i guess i should have guessed because gene wilder was pretty young looking in it (laughs) he's awesome that's just an amazing movie i mean obviously it's rough you know these days considering like you know correctness and all that kind of thing but it's just so like daring for the time even for a spoof yeah oh wow it took itself seriously like it, it had a purpose. It had a message to tell. That's what I love about Mel Brooks movies. They were always kind of a one-two punch. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a great mm-hmm. broad comedy, but I'm going to sneak in a little bit of an undertone, like a message that I want to tell along Absolutely. with the comedy. Yeah, yeah, totally. Also, you know. feel like Mel Brooks specifically did that is hard to. I, I can't think of many other movies of their type that felt like there was, I don't know, for lack of a better term, a like a strong through line, like. The scary movie, for instance, those just became basically skits that were yeah. Yeah. by yeah, shared like characters, kind of t- pinned together. Yeah, that's it's like uh, if you've ever seen um, "Don't Be a Menace to Society" while drinking your juice in the hood. Have you ever seen that one? Which is also yeah. Wayne's Brothers, and all and literally all it is is like one skit after another, just lampooning like a different scene from a different movie, and there's really not much of a plot like at all, and you're just sure. like going from bit to bit. <laughs> Yeah, whereas in my brain, anyway, when I think of live-action Robin Hood, I think of Carrie Yules for a reason. So. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. yeah, yeah, no, Robin Hood Men in Tights is like, I mean, again, another... Unlike Brooks. other Robin Hoods, he could speak with an English accent. Anyway. <laughs> you know, I saw, and this is way off topic, but I've seen uh, Robin Hood Prince of Thieves with Kevin Costner about, like, 500 times. So anytime I think Robin Hood, Kevin Costner pops in my head, and it's just like, I can't, I can't stop it. <laughs> And I, I watched uh, Men in Tights so much. I love that movie. It's one of the only Mel Brooks films I don't have for my collection that I need to get. You need to get it. And then, and then I feel like we're coming right onto the edge of, like, when you look at the producers, right? That's ooh, that's something, like, unique unto itself. But anyway, it's just like, I feel like that's like the, um, on one hand, I, pre- I think that Mel Brooks probably most extreme was probably Spaceballs because Spaceballs was filled with a lot of particular references to different sci-fi movies. Sure, yeah. Whereas Producers was a very, very specifically aimed and almost not really categorizable as a spoof. It was kind of just a, a just a straight comedy, but that's we're getting some interesting territory there. So right. yeah, it depends on how familiar you are with like uh, like live. Um with theater like in that whole background yeah scene. that's what i'm saying I'm like i i don't know that well enough to comment on but i feel like he's taking a jab at that yes absolutely absolutely yeah. so yeah i just i didn't i don't know what killed the genre except here's, here's the thing. lazy here's the thing i would say the genre isn't dead it's just that so the one thing that i remember a long time ago uh, watching, I think I was watching Todd and Shadows talk about music, and he's talking about how, you know, people who say, like, oh, music was better in this or this or that, and then it's like, well, if you go back and actually look at the top 100s of any given year, it's they tend to be filled with tons of crap, 
It's just that we don't remember that. You forget the bad <laughs> stuff and you just remember the good stuff. And so, like, I literally just as we started this conversation, I Googled spoof movies. And right. I've seen tons of stuff that came out recently. And a lot of stuff that I'm aware of, even if I didn't watch, like Holmes and Watson from 2018 or oh, The God. Dead Guy from last year, which I actually really wanted to see but didn't get around to. Uh, I don't know what the hungover games is, but that sounds kind of yeah. hilarious. There's a ton of like these super like low budget like straight to Netflix or whatever like spoofs like and this and the 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 artwork for them is always like a group of like random ass characters like thrown together like from all these different movies and Hungover Games is one of them and there's like um disaster movie and like and these are movies like I haven't seen and it's like kind of like a not another team movie which was actually I thought pretty pretty funny and then they're just yeah. like okay that works but let's just do it as cheaply and quickly as we can and just like make these you know kind of shit movies and it's like okay well yeah, but uh, it's you know, compared to that, too, I'm also seeing, uh, let's see, Happy Time Murders, This is the End, and Cabin in the Woods yeah. are listed here. And I like all three of those movies quite a bit, actually. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is, Cabin in the Woods is an interesting one because is it a spoof because it's not a comedy? And where do you define the line of like, okay. Yeah. That's a what tough is, one. What that is, is it a spoofing? That's the question. What is, what is it a spoof on? Like, can you watch it and go, oh, that's like that scene from this popular movie, but they're being silly about it. I feel like it rides the line between yeah. a and homage, which I feel like Cabin in the Woods links <laughs> more to uh, homage territory. But I'm just saying yeah, that, like, yeah. I just Googled spoof movies, and this is what's popping up. And I'm just saying that I'm seeing plenty of stuff that is pretty recent. Vampires suck. Paul. <laughs> Paul feels like a real stretch, but. Meet the Spartans. I don't know. Was oh, God, Meet the Spartans was bad. That was the, yeah, last, that was the last one I watched. <laughs> Yeah, epic movie. I'm looking at the same ones. Epic movie. And these are all like movies that they, they just, there's nobody you've ever heard of in these movies. It's not like really quality films. It's just like, let's just do these skits and run them together with like kind of a thread of plot, maybe sort of. <laughs> it just doesn't really work. I mean, honestly, though, maybe when you think about spoof movies, like the reason, I think it was reasonable and understandable that we started talking about Mel Brooks because, and I'm not saying like he's some untouchable thing or anything, but he really did operate at a level that I don't think I've seen other spoof movie makers operate at yet. Like as much as I like uh, Not Another Teen Movie or the first scary movie or things like that, they're not... <laughs> They're not even really in the same stratosphere right, as far right. as something no. like Spaceballs. So. I mean, it's something like well, it, it's the cleverness is not always there, but I think Mel Brooks, like you said, he has like a, an agenda usually, and it has like a heart to it typically. Like there's something to it that makes it like feel good, and you know that it's silly, and you're okay with that. And it's not just like crude humor for crude humor's sake. But here's a question. Exactly. I've got three pretty good movies that I think can be considered spoof movies that fit in yeah. this cap- the conversation. Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and The World's End. Oh, that, hmm. Again, we're butting up on homage spoof. Because those all are comedies. But the, I would, I'm, I'm going to, hmm. I think hmm. if we're going to say Mel Brooks is a spoof movie, then all three of those movies also fall in that. Because they, it's the same things. It's referencing a genre. It has a through line. And there's a subtext, you know, kind of going on undercurrents. Like, here's some jokes, but also... Here is a broader idea. Yeah, I can get down with that. Again, because I'm definitely of the opinion that no genre truly dies. It's just that they go into kind. And I feel like what's happening here is that we had one guy who was like the king and he was operating 
for really consistently for a long time. And then we had that weird era in the 90s when we had all the, the movie stuff, so it felt like suddenly we were oversaturated. And now it's it's rarer, and it still happens a lot, but when it happens that's good, you need you, know, you need like someone who's really good at it at the helm, and that's just not very common anymore. <laughs> so. They're not putting the effort in, I think. Yeah. And comedy common in the first place. It's just... No, that's true. Well, I think it's something like Shaun of the Dead, and obviously it references as, like, you know, Dawn of the Dead's, like, the most obvious reference, but, like, all the zombie movies and things like that. So, but with that genre, the zombie movie itself, it's not hard to, like, create something that is very similar and, like, makes, like, a fun of, makes fun of it. Hot Fuzz, like, I'm kind of thinking, is that, like, the buddy cop movie genre? And they put it, like, in just a tiny little English... Yeah, and like crazy over the top stuff happens with that, and in World's End is this like the um, it was kind of a uh, of the kind body of thing. Snatching. Yeah, yeah, that's right. They were like changing people out into like robots or something. I saw it in the yeah. theater. I don't remember shit about it. <laughs> you should revisit it. It's amazing. Uh, it's a it's a really good movie. <laughs> I mean, I like um, who's the uh, the guy, the main guy, the two guys. Uh, oh, that's uh, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, yes. And I, they work amazingly with Edgar Wright, who is one of my favorite directors. Anyway. <laughs> like, right, I, think so about, regret. I think about something like traditional, like, is there a traditional spoof? Like, I grew up watching movies like Top Secret and, like, Hot Shots. And, yeah. like, I don't know if you're familiar with that. And they literally just yep. would redo scenes from other movies, you know, and, and, and twist it around. But, like, if you watch Shaun of the Dead, can you go, oh, that's from such and such movie, and they're just tweaking it a little bit. You know, same thing with Hot Fuzz. Or they're just tweaking the scene from whatever other movie. Yeah, it's definitely where that, like, conversation of parody to homage comes mm-hmm. from. And, like, while I think I feel comfortable qualifying the Cornetto trilogy as, as spoof, I also wouldn't argue with someone who says, no, nah, they're just homages, because... Yeah. Uh, I think that's perfectly reasonable. So, yeah, I think there is definitely, you know, it's a sliding scale uh, in, in a way. And there's stuff that is extremely obviously that. Uh, and then there's stuff that isn't. Have either you guys even heard of this The Banana Splits movie? What the hell is that? I saw, yeah, I saw oh, that on this Oh, God, list. no. I know that was a show, yeah? Wasn't that a show, Banana Splits? Or is yep, that... that was a show in the 60s. And then they made a Five Nights at Freddy's style movie. Okay. Huh. It's neat. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, no, it's really, it's interesting for note only because they announced they were doing that Five Nights at Freddy's movie and there's been <laughs> like three direct-to-DVD movies that are also in that same genre that have already came out yeah, before they've yeah. done anything for that movie. It's like, you guys got to move quicker with these fad things because everyone else is like Chuck E. Cheese meets Murder House. Okay. Yeah, we got a yeah. property that fits that. Well, there's a there's a new Nick Cage movie coming out that's kind of like that. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say it really looks so sick. I want to uh, see the movie. I love anything Nicolas Cage is in, and that's a whole other genre unto itself. Is Nick Cage movies? The Nick Cage movies. Yeah, and he, <laughs> he's Nick not Cage killing murder <laughs> animatronic monsters. That yeah. sounds wonderful. Yeah, sign me up. But my buddy was telling me about, it and I was like, I don't, I don't have any clue what you're saying to me right now. And he showed me the trailer. I was like, Oh my god, this is amazing. It's like, yeah, dude, just wrecks all these uh, animatronic beastie monsters and like hardly says a word. And I'm like, I'm, dude, I'm in. Nick Cage. I'm, I'm all about it. I love Bar. the weird pendulous swing of Nick the, Cage. Yeah, have either of you guys seen the history of swear words on Netflix? Yes, yes. that is so good. It's yes. wonderful. I don't know if it's good, but it's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> I learned things I didn't know before that makes it good. Yeah, there you go. It's always educational. <laughs> Nick Cage. Holy crap. I'm still yelling at not the bees every time. Like, uh, oh, God. <laughs> 
Can we count the the that as a spoof movie? It's funnier that way. Oh yeah, like yeah, if if you just take it not seriously at all, wow, what a horrible movie. <laughs> oh, he runs around in an animal suit and punches a lady randomly. That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then eventually it comes full circle when you get to Midsummer, which is the serious version of that movie. Oh yeah, yeah, something like that. They were like, we need to read. This version of the movie was the original version of that movie. Like I said, it goes the original, Wicker Man, then Midsummer. So now we're going to come to a parody of Midsummer again, and the circle starts over. That's fair. It'll be a sequel. We'll get uh, Nick Cage back to do a sequel to Wicker Man. Well, the Wicker Man 2, the Wickering. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure Nick Cage is incapable of singing to films, so... And he likes acting, and he owes people money or something. I don't know. <laughs> Dude, I think, I think Nick Cage is awesome, man. I love his movies. I used to watch, like, so a long time ago, um, I had, like, four movies, and this is, like, in 90, 2000, 2001. I had, like, four movies, and one of them was gone in 60 seconds, and I watched that movie, like, over and over and over again, because <laughs> it's, like, one of four DVDs I actually had. What was the car's name? Nora? No. Eleanor? Eleanor. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Like, I've seen it so many times, I can't remember that detail, but yeah, I think that's what it was, that, um... It was a Mustang, the coupe, the Shelby coupe, I think. Uh, for me, growing up, the Nick Cage movie I always went to was Con Air. I, I don't care that his accent is terrible. I love Con Air. <laughs> is he, where is he supposed to be from, like, Kentucky or something like that? I forget what it was. I thought it was Louisiana. I listened to a, uh, a dialect coach, like, talk about how he's not consistent with any particular southern dialect, so it doesn't mm-hmm. really work. But at the same time, that movie's the reason I'm scared of John Malkovich and Steve Buscemi, so... <laughs> Well, they're both kind of scary guys. Yeah, there's a weird intensity there. There was, um, um did you guys watch Space Force at all? Yeah, I yeah, did. No, I haven't John Malkovich, yeah, John Malkovich, I thought was really good in that. Oh, how did we, I mean, so, sorry, sidebar, we mentioned, like, uh, uh, we mentioned airplanes, we, you know, we talked about a little bit of Leslie Nielsen, no one has <laughs> said the naked gun. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that's actually on oh, my yeah. list right here. Yeah, I, I wrote. I actually wrote some notes, and Naked Gun's literally at the top of the list, and I forgot to mention it. And there was like what, like three or four of those. Uh, yeah, was it was a Naked TV for a while. Show. Two and a half, and Naked Gun thirty three and a third. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it had OJ in it, and that's really weird. Oh yeah, that's right. And he was always getting like uh, hurt. Oh, I was gonna say, if Mel Brooks is like the guy when it comes to directing, I think Leslie Nielsen might be the guy when it comes to acting in spoofs. <laughs> yeah. Well, then they did a lot. He was in a lot of those for good or bad and you got to give him credit he always brought his a-game like he showed up like nope i don't care how bad the script is i was paid to do this i'm going to do this he's just a funny guy man yeah well, well he was only worked because expected, of his dedication yeah well he never expected to be a comedy actor he went in for drama and the fact is he's so funny because he plays everything so straight it's yeah yeah humor so I, I feel like this will get me excommunicated in some circles, but I have never seen UHF. Does that qualify? Oh, oh man. Yeah. See, but like, oh, well, that definitely, it's spoofs because literally there's like scenes in it that are just spoofs of other movies, like, because he has this imagination. It's one of those movies I grew up with. I was a big Weird Al fan when I was younger anyway. And um, so like, there's literally, he spoofs like Rambo and he spoofs um, Gone with the Wind and, you know, Rambo. all these other movies. 
Yeah, and he's like, the Rambo scene is hilarious because he's got like this um, suit that makes him look all muscly, right? Like it's like realistic and he's all like oily. (laughs) It's amazing. It's just like over the top ridiculous, but like, you know, at its core, it's one of those, uh, you know, save the save our thing and the, you know, the the plucky underdogs get the money to save the thing, the station, you know? Yeah. No, it took me years to figure out what that movie was because I would catch it on TV growing up, but only in bits and pieces. Yeah. And I had no point of reference to what it was. All I knew was Weird Al was in it, but I wasn't sure, is this the end of a Weird Al music video that I missed the intro to, or what is this? And it wasn't until years later with the advent of the internet, I found out what it was and could watch it in its entire, like, oh, this answers so many questions. Well, I mean, it only makes sense that Weird Al would would make a like a parody movie considering that he is the the spoof music guy like i know that we have other people now but like no one has ever decrowned weird al from from, no. from that oh he's he's the guy like i can't even think of anybody else that really does that as consistently i mean he's been doing that since like the 80s you know and he still puts stuff yeah. out yeah i mean did you guys see his uh what was it the the, the debate song he did last year at the end of last year it was hilarious oh no i, I missed that, that. He took he took the the debate between Biden and Trump and made it into a song and it was awesome. Oh, <laughs> okay, well now I have to watch that. Yeah, no, talk about you know weird sidebar, but Weird Al and the parody musical. Did he do like a musical? Well, no, I'm just saying you know. Well, his career could be argued to be one big long musical, but I right. feel like at some point him and Mel Brooks should have teamed up together. That must be in the Del Toro oh, universe. What's funny is, I guess I should have been more specific because when I think about it, there are plenty of comedic bands now. Like, I'm a big fan of, like, Ninja Sex Party, for example, and they do comedy music. But Mm -hmm. spoof music, where you're specifically using some other uh, existing song, is, like, Weird Al basically has a monopoly on that. Yeah. Yeah. Who else does that? Like, I can't even think of anybody else that really does that. Like, And, you know, and if Weird Al, like, asks you to do that, that's kind of like, you know, like a badge of honor, I would think, like, at this point. I have no idea. No, I'm going to watch UHF now. My, my, <laughs> my girlfriend uh, right there was just like, you haven't seen that? We're going to watch it when I was muted. <laughs> so. so good. It's got some of my most favorite scenes, like, and it's shit that I still say. I mean, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm older, so these are movies that came out, like, whenever I was going to the theaters when I was a teen and, you know, older than that. And I remember seeing these movies in the, in the theaters and, like, a lot of them stick with me. And I still say stupid shit from all of these movies. And, like, you know, my daughter looks at me like I'm insane. And, like, I go to school and the students, they look at me like I'm insane. And it's, like, it's from a movie from, like, 85, 86. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think that's the hallmark of a good spoof, and that's kind of why the latter ones don't work, is they're insanely quotable. Oh, jeez. Sidebar on that, my 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 personal experience with quoting something that I fully expected everyone to know and then was majorly surprised. <laughs> I was in a middle school Spanish class, and I said out loud, you're killing me, Smalls, and only nice. the teacher laughed, and everyone else looked at me like I was crazy. Bad lot, bro. <laughs> I, was, I was very upset that day. So. Oh. Oh, here's another one that falls into that category that I'm really curious if it works. But all the old Cheech and Chong movies, at past the first one. Mm, I don't think so. I think they were really doing their own kind of unique yeah. thing that doesn't seem spoofy. I mean, I feel like we've had spoof, spoof stuff of them since then, obviously. Yeah. yeah. But Cheech and Chong were kind of their own. I mean, now the idea of two guys get high and go on adventure <laughs> is entirely, totally its own genre. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, they the invented Seth Rogen genre. Right, yeah, like Pineapple Express and all these things. Like, yeah, they just invented the weed movie. Like, yeah. James, <laughs> like, that's yeah. all it was. Harold and Kumar, you know, just, it's a thing. I was, like, running through my head, and it's like, a lot, they did a lot of those movies, and they all kind of blend together in my head. Like, were there any spoofs in there, or was it just, you know, kind of skit stitched together? Skit stitched together. The reason why we might not see, like, straight spoofs as much anymore is the advent of the internet. And that we have literally, you know, thousands and thousands of amateur filmmakers basically making short spoofs and then going online with them instead. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't think they age fast. I mean, in the rate that there are so many, it's not the same. It's not like you have a handful of tent poles. It is now just here, well, used to be before the, you know, dark times we're in now. Here are 30 blockbusters every year. How do you spoof that and still not be, you know, immediately dated a year afterwards? Which, again, that's kind of what happened with those later spoof movies. It's like, no, no, you're referencing a movie from two years ago. Well, movies take time to make. <laughs> it's hard to keep up. So maybe the answer is go back to the Mel Brooks thing and just pick a genre and, you know, have fun with that. Well, you know, you, you're so much average person now that goes back and watches a Mel Brooks movie is not going to have any clue to like a lot of the references that are going on in there. You know, they're just going to be like, wow, this is horrible. And I think, it depends. <laughs> I think it depends on which movie. Cause like, I feel like for instance, blazing saddles, as much as it gets a lot of like the love, I feel like that is being based in, you know, spaghetti Westerns and whatnot, which is not something a lot of, I think are, you know, the newer generation is that into, whereas compare that to Spaceballs, which is specifically parodying, I think, a lot of stuff that is still extremely visible in the popular culture. And I think that like, that will still go over well, you know? Yeah, like Star Wars hasn't gone away, so that stuff is still there for sure. Yeah. <laughs> We're all still waiting on Spaceballs too to search for more money. <laughs> it's funny because as far as I'm concerned, like Men in Tights, which I, I can't really call it a spoof because, like, to me, that is kind of more the Robin Hood story than any other live-action Robin Hood movie I've ever seen. So I lose? Hold on, let me look at the script. Yes, yes, I did. Hmm, I like that. I love Robin Hood Man Tights. I watched that so much as a kid. Anyway. So I'm looking at this list that's on the internet, and an interesting one to me is Sausage Party. Did you see that? It popped up? No, yeah. It, it popped up, but I wasn't sure if, like, what is that? I never saw it because of... Oh, oh, I did. Insane. <laughs> What is that supposed to be a spoof of, then? I think I can understand based on just what I know of it, but I'm just curious. Maybe, like, no. Pixar movies and things like that is is the only thing, but it, I don't think it'll... I don't it, remember it. It's doing the same thing as the Happy Time Murders, where it's like, all right, let's take a genre, and let's just make it really adult, and that's the joke. And right, I think yeah. for me, for instance, Happy Time Murders works because I never get tired of the joke of watch Muppets do R-rated cop things. But <laughs> if you don't get if you do get tired of the joke, then you're going to hate that movie. And I think right. it probably falls in the same things like watch what are essentially Pixar characters doing gross adult things. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that I would not put I, Happy Time Murders you might be able to put in uh, this genre. But no, Sausage Party wouldn't because Sausage Party is just hey, can we do 90 minutes of dick and fart jokes? Right. With food. With, yeah, with, with food and and then the extended scene at the end where they're all having sex and it's pretty hilarious actually. Yeah, no, the ending's about the only part I really like. It's like you know what? You went all in. Everything else before this was just, no. Yeah, leading up to this point. <laughs> this This could have been a 15 minute SNL sketch. So we've been talking in spoofs for like um, probably 30-some minutes. 
So I'm sure we can continue, but I am uh, I'm curious because I have an answer. Um, mm. Ulrich, do you have a a genre you feel like is I'm not going to use the word digs again. I, I I don't think genres die, but is definitely um, weak right now. I've got a couple, but I'm going to say one that won't make me angry, and that's uh, sword and sandals. Sword and sandals. Yeah, the old sword and sand. I don't know. Like uh, like Gladiator and any Roman sort of epic kind of films. Well, Gladiator, those Roman epic ones, but more in the old Ray Harryhausen, Jason and the Argonauts, Clash of the Titans, mythical sense. Yeah, those don't. Those don't tend to play very well anymore. No, and I feel like the last one was that remake of Clash of the Titans, mm-hmm. which was okay. And that's yeah, it. like Liam Neeson in it. Yeah, he was he was Zeus. Yeah, he was Zeus. Ray with Hades. <laughs> and then there was another one that came out like right after that, like The Immortals or something, which was really really crazy cool, but no one saw it. But had that it was a French director who just went over the top with all his costume designs, which was basically Clash of the Titans, but. And Mickey Rourke wore a big crab claw on his head. <laughs> it's insane, but it had that vibe of, hey, I let's feel like crazy off-the-wall shit. Have I seen that one? It sounds really familiar. It was riding the high that 300 kind of kicked down the door and then everyone copied. And then we just kind of lost the sword and sandals genre. And I'm like, wait, no, come back. Those were fun. Would you say 300 is uh, the sword and sandals? Oh, 300 is 100% sword and sandals. It's got sword, it's got sandals, it's got sand, it's got, you know, big mythology, abs, sweaty people. It's got mutant (laughs) alien uh, bros with, like, saws for hands. Yeah. When I think of what you're trying to describe, I go to uh, Sinbad, old Sinbad that I grew up watching. That's exactly what I mean. Yeah, it's that was the originator of the whole sword and sandals thing where it was the stop motion. It was retelling Greek myths, but I don't want to tie it 100% to Greek myths because all of, you know, Mediterranean, ancient world, classical period stuff, they have great mythology. And that's just a fun aesthetic to pull from. Because again, you need sword, you need sandals, you need abs, you need monsters. That's all you need for a sword <laughs> and sandals. Why aren't we making these anymore? I don't know. I think they just get too mired in like special effects and shit now. Like, you think of the old yeah. movie, um, you know, the what's the original one? Like, uh, Jason and the Argonauts? Or, real no, quick, Clash I, of the uh, Titans. Yeah, real quick, I'm, I'm Googling. I just Googled Sword and Sandals movies to see, like, what kind of stuff the internet generally falls in this category. Yeah, yeah. There's recent. Last year, we had something called The First King, Birth of an Empire that I have not heard of. I don't uh, know what that is. I have heard of... I did watch Troy. That was 2004, so it's quite a while ago. But that... Yeah. Uh, Gladiator in 2000... Conan the Barbarian in 1982. Um, Conan, yep. Conan's a sword and sandals. A lot of these are quite older. I'm not seeing a whole lot of new stuff. Conan's more of like a fantasy, though. Fantasy uh, movie, I think. Well, I, when I say things sword and sandals, I'm thinking it blends the two. It's kind of a historical kind of fantasy. Because historical epic's a whole nother one that I could go into, but I don't want to because it'll just be me yelling. <laughs> just you getting angry for an hour. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we had that really, we had, well, that uh, Dwayne Johnson Hercules could have been good. And it was okay. Like Dwayne you Johnson's Hercules. So many perfect. versions of Hercules show up on this list. Yeah, there's a ton of Hercules. I mean, but you know, there's there's a, I want prominent. No, my pitch, like that if, we're, if we're going to do, if we're going to redo one, let's do Gilgamesh. Cause I don't, I've only read like a handful of the old Babylonian stories about Gilgamesh, but that is some crazy fun stuff to see up on the big screen. I can, you know, again, we got swords, we, we got sandals, we got abs. I feel like we should have a Gilgamesh story just because the Epic of Gilgamesh is the oldest written story we have like in the world. <laughs> so. Yeah. 
And I mean, it's not like there's not a shortage of things to pull from. And I guess they have made a couple. They just aren't good. And Dan, you might have hit the nail on the head by going, they're way too into the effects. And But the effects aren't good. What was the movie? Uh, and it was like all sort of computer animated and had Angelina Jolie in it. And it had uh, Anthony Hopkins. And it Oh, was... Beowulf. Beowulf. See, that could have been really cool. Like, it's not bad. It could have been better, but it just, the animation and all that, like, just kind of distracted. That was that motion capture that that was really stuck in the Uncanny Valley. Yeah, it was really weird. Like, you know, the eyes are never quite right. But, like, the the monsters look fine because they don't have to look human, right? But, like, everybody else looked kind of fucking funky. Yeah, no, I remember that one. Like, the first time I watched, like, something's off about these people, but I can't quite place what it is. Oh, that came out yeah, in 2007. But... Wow. Yeah, I remember that one. You know, that's right. And that's using the technology the way it should, you know. It, I think with Sword and Sandals, that's the draw is your creature features, your, your special mm-hmm. effects for your creatures. Yeah. As well fun. as, you know, the monsters in the sand and the abs. I'm seeing something here called Hercules Against the Moon Men from 1964. Oh, I'm not the sure that counts. There are real problems. <laughs> and Hannibal. Hannibal? Like Hannibal Barca? Yeah, from 1959. The movie just called Hannibal. I didn't yeah. know that exists. I don't have to look into that. I don't think that's any good. That's not a sword and sand. I don't know. But no, I feel... I mean, if we're, we're pitching comebacks, I feel that <laughs> Marvel needs to pull the trigger and do the Hercules movie because they got they got a character in the comics, Hercules. That's sword and sandals right there. I mean, it's just bro your Thor. Yeah, like just looking at like if you Google this, like a lot of these movies were made like mid 50s, early 60s. Like that was way hot back then was doing these sort of like. Uh, you know, sword and sandal, uh, Hercules and Ben Hur, Argonauts. Yeah, like all these bros. Like, yeah, that was big. Yes, I don't know why they don't make him any. Well, I know why they don't make him more. We kind of think the effects are expensive, and if they don't look good, the whole movie doesn't work. But this again, like... that Dwayne Johnson as Hercules was a really good setup. They just didn't lean into the magic of it all. They just kind of kept darting around it, like, oh no, no, no. I'm looking at this list, and, and you mentioned Immortals before, and now that I'm looking at it, I remember seeing in this seeing this in the movie theater, and it was one of those I was really excited to see because it looks badass. Like, everything in it looks really, really cool. And then I remember watching the movie and going, eh, it's not as badass as I hoped. Like, things look cool, yeah. but like, the story didn't really pan out. Like, so yeah. it leans so heavily on, like, the look and the style and aesthetic. And then the story part ends up getting like sort of left behind, you know? It's a weird balancing act, which is probably why we aren't seeing those as much anymore. Is you, you do gotta, you know, you gotta have a cool monster, but you also have to have an interesting story because you can't have the monster on the movie the whole time because that's just expensive. All right. I, <laughs> side note, I just I just went to IMDB and uh, under Sword and Sandals, the the top the order of the top rated ones number eight's caligula and i refuse to accept that. <laughs> it's hmm. not sword and sandals at all there's no sandals at, there's well, very few swords everyone's naked so <laughs> yeah <laughs> but they're not made of metal so <laughs> different types of swords <laughs> what else is on that list i'm curious all right let's see i'm just gonna go through the top 10 here those listed and half of these i do not think qualify uh number one is spartacus from 2010 2013 i guess it's a show Mm-hmm, ah, mm-hmm. yeah, that was a yeah, really good one. That's legit. Yeah. Number two is Gladiator. Number three is Troy. Number four is 300. Number five is Aladdin, the 2019 version. There's no sandals. With Will Smith? Yeah. 
<laughs> no, get out of here. At this point, the rating is 6.9. So we jumped in from a 300 rating of 7.6 down to Aladdin 6.9. So there's a big, that's, big rating jump that's here. Fucking, that's, yeah, that's too high for that movie. Uh, next, we've got Alexander at 6, Braveheart at 7, Caligula at okay, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Clash of the Titans 2010 at 9 and Gods of Egypt from 2016 at 10. Oh god Gods of Egypt I forgot about that mess. I don't think I've seen that. Oh that one's bad. That's the one where they cast all white people to play the Egyptian gods but then oh. hired Egyptian actors to do the extras. Oh okay. <laughs> they were like we have a mo- it's, it's okay it's a multi-cultural society. At number 17, Xena Warrior Princess is on here. I would put Xena as a very strong sword and sandals. Yeah, I feel like you could revive that and people would still dig it. Oh, yeah. Xena was awesome. Plus, Lucy Lawless still looks great. And I think she still could pull it off. So you're in the oh, yeah. yeah, she's still out there doing, doing her thing. I think the series ends with her dying, but I don't yeah, know. Yeah, we can figure it out. Like, it's a fantasy. It, you know, it mm-hmm. comes back. Yeah, I, I mean, come on. Bring this one up, Ulrich. This one feels a lot more dead-ish than the spoof one does like just looking at as uh, as Havoc <laughs> said the the heyday of this was in the 50s to like the you know to the 70s and there's just been a small very small spattering since then and distincting it from because it's a subgenre of fantasy or subgenre of historical probably subgenre of fantasy as you said monsters so and I think Oddly enough, I feel like something like Lord of the Rings is probably a good part of the reason why this doesn't really exist anymore. Because Lord of the Rings was like, now here's what fantasy is going to be going forward. <laughs> yeah, but I'd argue we haven't had anything like Lord of the Rings since Lord of the Rings. Like that just took all of the energy for epic fantasy and just, here you go. And we're all like, oh, that was great. Can we get more? And they're like, no, no, we're tired. <laughs> saying that it feels more like fantasy more than most genres, I feel like jumps onto very specific bandwagons like okay for a while we're gonna make everything like lord of the rings for a while everything's gonna be like game of thrones for a while things gonna be like harry potter like it just feels a lot they chase the money oh yeah yeah you got to make the movie whenever the other one's hot to try to cash in well and that does explain why the last gas was following 300 with all the 300 you know esque movies Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah man 300 blew my mind when i saw that like yeah that was like a whole moment yeah, there's a reason why all this shit about him as a person and some of his late movies aside, we at the Geeks with Shields still are like, Zack Snyder's a good person to have in the industry because he's an auteur. <laughs> he makes a damn fine looking movie mm, <laughs> some of the time. Some of the time. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> anyway, um, my genre that I, that I wanted to mention was uh, noir films. Yeah, mm. I figure. I know you like this one. And I was thinking about it, like he might talk about noir, and then I'm like, okay, when was the last noir film that kind of came out? About to Google it. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm quickly googling uh, noir films so I can get noir a movies, list. Yeah. because noir is one of those genres that I love, um, but I haven't got to see nearly as many as I want. Like the most recent one of my knowledge, uh, actually, two of my favorite noir films ever came out in the same year: Brick. And Kiss Kiss Bang Bang from 2005. Hmm. I have not seen yeah. either of those movies. So, so Brick is um, more of a straight neo noir. It's mm-hmm. Joseph Joseph Gordon Levitt is this kid from uh, at high school. His girlfriend is found dead, and he's kind of like a loner. She was one of the only people he could like 
you know, get along with. And sure. so then he suddenly has to go on a person because they basically rule her death as like just an overdose on like drugs. But yeah, he knows yeah. that something else must be going on. So he so goes fishy. Yeah, so he goes in <laughs> investigation into the, the high school underground invading cliques that he previously avoided to try to get oh. to the truth, leading to a confrontation with the Kingpin, which is the, the, <laughs> the, the popular kid. <laughs> but what's, one of the coolest things with the movie, though, is it takes place in like contemporary in a contemporary high school of like 2005, but everyone talks like it's 1920s. <laughs> and they never like bring up why they just right. talk like old noir detectives and That's i perfect. love the juxtaposition so much now what's uh, for someone like me that doesn't really know that genre very well like how would you describe it like what's the best okay so so noir i mean noir literally translates to like black because it's supposed to be like black and white and dark mm-hmm. films but what makes a noir film a noir film is Usually there's, it's a mystery. It's, um, it's not, you don't have to be a mystery. You can make a noir film, uh, like aesthetically and emotionally without it, but most of the time it's going to be a mystery with a detective or some kind of surrogate for a detective. Okay. And it's going to be, how do I put this? It's either going to be played completely straight or it's going to be played straight in a way that's meant to be kind of funny which is what hmm, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang does. So, which, if you don't know Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, a lot of people actually think that it wasn't Iron Man, but Kiss Kiss Bang Bang that was Ryan, Robert Downey Jr.'s return to stardom, which is, so it's Robert Downey Jr., it's Val uh, Kilmer. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. is an actor who basically, or no, he's not an actor. He's a he's a robber who, while trying to run from the police, accidentally runs into a movie interview. <laughs> Uh, like an like a casting call. Okay, and, interesting. Yeah, and so then to basically keep from getting in jail, he keeps on playing with the idea that he is a an actor, mm-hmm. but he's getting cast in a detective movie. So they pair him with an actual detective played by Val Kilmer, who is a uh, gay Perry. Don't worry about it. It's, it, it. It comes off better than than it sounds. But, <laughs> no, it sounds awesome. <laughs> but uh, and then while basically riding shotgun with uh, with the real detective, he comes across a real murder, and then stuff starts happening and it's it's wonderful and robert Downey jr is amazing in it so anyway like i was saying so what makes a noir film a noir film uh music is a big thing noir films tend to have very atmospheric moody kind of slow jazz kind of music it's again not required but it helps set the tone what i'm trying to describe like i feel like a noir is made more than most genres on what it feels like like um like seven is almost a noir, but not quite, because it's Who not. Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Who Framed Roger Rabbit is definitely a noir film. Hmm, legit, so, that's one. Of, that's one of the best movies ever made. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> a noir film that happens to have cartoons in it. So, <laughs> okay, yeah, I feel it. I got you now. I'm looking well, at this thinking? list here. The classic uh, one, like L.A. Noir, is literally the the the, the most classic. But yeah, yeah. Like I said, I'm a huge fan of Detail. Oh, Sin City is a is yeah. a big movie yeah. that came out. Most of good Batman fought, fits into our into noir kind of <laughs> which, genre. Just good Batman it's though; it's all pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Memento, which okay. I haven't actually seen, which makes me sad because I know all the I know it already. Oh, Noirs yeah. tend to have twists. Noirs are a very twist-heavy genre because, again, detectives, investigation, crime. So. Yeah. I've seen Memento many times. Actually, whenever I first started dating my wife, it was one of the movies. She's like, you have to watch this movie. We have to sit down and watch it. I'm like, okay, I'll watch it. And I was like, oh, shit, this is actually really cool. <laughs> and if, I'm, sure, I'm sure there's someone who could give a much more, like, 
accurate breakdown of what a noir film is, but what I tried to con- conduct do just now was just that like convey it's a tone, it's a feeling, and yeah, 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 yeah. Dark, I hope I atmospheric, and some sort of mystery typically involved. I'm looking at the no, list on on Google right that. now, and I see Terminal. Have you seen that? It's this is on the list. Terminal. It's Terminal. got uh, Margot Robbie. Robbie's in it, and no, I've seen this movie. That. I've seen it, and it's got Mike Myers in it. And it's really weird seeing Mike Myers not be funny Mike Myers. And just I remember watching it going, what the what is happening in this movie? <laughs> it's not it was interesting. I, I wouldn't say it was bad. I wouldn't say it was good. It was interesting and it was totally not what I expected. And I think huh. if you're getting like that sort of like cool, sort of dark and mysterious, but like uh, there's always smoke or fog in the air kind of aesthetic. Yes, thing, yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's smoking. So. Everyone's cool and everyone's really cool. Like everyone's got like a look, you know, I like that. I think one of the reasons why we don't see this very often is that noirs like thrive in the prohibition era kind of setting. And which is funny because Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and Brick are both contemporary and hell Blade Runner's a noir that's a sci-fi as well. So oh, I love Blade Runner. Yeah, but I just I feel like that's the reason why we don't see it too much, is that it's set in usually a very specific setting. And mm-hmm. I think that a lot of filmmakers don't realize that, or that's, that's being reductive. I think a lot of studios maybe don't realize that they can pull it off without having to stick to these very specific genre conventions. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that's why it, you get like a noir episode in almost every TV series. <laughs> I I don't know why, but I know like once someone pointed out to me, I started going, you're right. There is almost always a noir episode and they're never good. It's this weird thing like, no, 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 what are you doing? You can't make a noir work in this 45-minute, half-hour format. Ooh. One more one more example. Uh, if anyone has seen Whose Line Is It Anyway, they have a game called <laughs> Film Noir that is a giant making fun of what noir is. But again, that is a very good description of what noir is. It's just yeah, that. yeah. Uh, that's a lot of old Looney Tunes it's... lifted very heavily. It's always got that like uh, she came in, she came walking into my office, and she had legs long as a, you know, like the guy goes on kind of with that internal mon- uh, internal <laughs> monologue, you know. <laughs> you just maybe yes, think exactly. of the community episode where they parody noir. She had Dude, legs; they uh, went all the way up to her, you know, torso. <laughs> <laughs> uh, community. I could do a whole show about that, but anyway, yeah. The, Someday we're know. going to. Oh, dude, such a great show. I yeah, love man. Community. So now it seems like I gotta watch Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and and Brick at least because that seems like uh, yeah I will I will tell you Brick is pretty much a straightforward neo noir whereas mm-hmm. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is kind of the comedy flavor of neo noir so okay. so give both of them a shot they'll give you kind of an idea of what I might consider the edges of it but again if you want to see the the genre at its height you gotta watch things like um, the Manchurian Candidate and film and uh, L A noir I mean literally L A noir so. <laughs> Okay, here's another good one. I do want to end the suggestion on Get the Ruling. Nice guys. Noir or not a noir? Definitely noir. That's definitely... It's, it's more the comedy version of it, but it's that's a noir, I'd say. I was Ooh, like... That one, that's a really good that movie. That is uh, Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling. Yes. I don't think I've seen that movie. Oh. Not, let's see. Ryan Gosling is like a a kind of washed up... Uh, oh, man. Actually, yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, Russell Crowe is like a really hard ass like mm-hmm. pi and basically without um they, they run into each other and have to deal with a a crime syndicate and and stuff going on and they actually have really good chemistry and i'm surprised they don't do more movies together 
Okay. Oh, that was it's such an underseen movie too. Oh, and it's like fairly recent, 2016. I'm seeing here. Yeah, it took me forever to see that one because I kept hearing you got to see the, the nice guys, you got to see the nice guys, and I finally <laughs> caught it. I'm like, wow, why did I wait yeah. so long? This is really good and really funny. That's the most recent than uh, like good noir film that I'm aware of. So. Yeah. Why is it when someone tells you that you need to watch a movie, you're like, oh, nah. <laughs> not going to tell me what to do. Yeah, I was going to say, it's because a little voice in the back of my head goes, you're not going to tell me what to do. I'm going yeah, to yeah. go watch something I've watched. I'm going to watch Super Troopers again, just to spite you. Do when I'm ready. <laughs> uh, the, I'm sorry, I just passed over Terminal, and I don't know anything about it, but that, that uh, poster is striking with that red robe on the blue background. Oh, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Margot Robbie looks, you know, amazing. So, yeah, that helps. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to look that up. But anyway, I, again, I don't know if I necessarily have a real answer for why I think <clears throat> our films don't happen as much. I feel like uh, like noir films... Oh, here's one thing, I think. I think noir films were in some ways supplanted by television procedurals, which is where most yes. investigative yes. stories go now. Yeah. Which would explain why you get so many noir TV episodes is they're just, you know, it's familiar because you've seen this in the dozen CSIs and other letter well, Yeah, go shows. watch one of the Law and Orders. There's like four or five Law and Orders out there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What's, the other one? What's the other one? Um, it's like something suspects. Ah, shit. What is it called? Not unusual suspects. So, oh, way. criminal minds. Criminal minds. Gosh, why did I say suspects? I'm glad that you got where I was going you with that. You could have been thinking of unusual suspects, which being a crime movie kind of t- – there's there's definitely – so like looking at the definition of film noir, it lists it as stylish Hollywood crime dramas. There is a difference between that and your standard crime movie. Like I wouldn't consider any of Guy Ritchie's stellar crime movies to be noir films. Right, so no. It's like style <laughs> is – loud and angry. Yeah, the style is what makes something film noir. <laughs> the coolness, the aesthetic uh, uh, smokiness. <laughs> I actually feel like, now that we mention it, um, film noir for me has a lot in common with grimdark as like a genre. Yeah, I, I could see them sort of being like uh, aesthetic cousins, really. Like, literally yeah. think, about a, think about a film noir movie starring Inquisitor Greyfax or something. <laughs> Oh, that. no, no. I, I, there's definitely a marriage to be made there of how you do a 40K movie. Just take, just pick a genre. I, I can totally see some RBITs and, you know, an, an Inquisitor and all. The yeah, I feel bartenders. like Inquisitors themselves, like, scream, I can be film noir. Like, we're having that Eisenhorn show later, and if there's not at least, like, a good 20% film noir in its genetic makeup, I'm going to be disappointed. I mean, isn't that in yeah. black and white, or is that just the previews that I've seen? know where there are previews i'm gonna have to look that up after well, this. maybe i'm thinking of something else it was like uh, i think you're thinking the angels of death show that's all black white and red yeah that's what i'm thinking of yeah 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 and that's yeah, like it, yeah no, oh. we cracked it okay we figured out how we're bringing uh film noir back we're just gonna slap <laughs> the war we're gonna put in the warhammer 40k inquisitor and everyone loves 40k i'll come over everyone oh, loves noir will come together and we'll revive you know noir and somehow we can I mean, 40K is already kind of a spoof, so there's that genre, and it's definitely got swords, sandals, and sand. Well, I, I was about to say, then, I feel like we're, we're coming to a, a natural kind of end. Does anyone have concluding thoughts on spoof movies, sword and sandals, or film noir, and or? <laughs> Make it all nah. 40K. There you go. I just have a lot of movies to watch now, apparently. Making a list. I agree with making all 40k as well and always like movie recommendations i'm probably gonna watch terminal but now i think the one i gotta take from this most i gotta watch uhf 
personally. Ah, yes. <laughs> yeah. So good. Movie from my own childhood. <laughs> Cause I'm, cause All right. <laughs> well, then, uh, at that point in our, our broadcasting is when we give you, uh, Havoc, a very special box to stand on where you can plug anything you want to plug. Oh, I don't really have anything new to plug, but I am working on a new stream with my buddy, um, Andrew Hobby Vices, um, at Hobby Vices on the Instagram. Uh, we're going to do a stream where we hang out and we talk to people and maybe do some hobbying. And it's just sort of an extension of the podcast that I've been doing. And we've been wanting to do something together for a while. And uh, that's going to be coming in the next week or two. I'm looking forward to that. Awesome. Well, then, uh, in that case... Well, thank you very much for coming on and chatting genres with us. Yeah, man, it was awesome. Thanks for inviting me back, man. I really enjoyed talking with you guys. Hopefully it's not a year until we have you again. So, <laughs> all right, let's do it sooner. Well, right, then at this point roll. we go... Oh, or go ahead. I was say, let's roll into Suggestions of the Week, which, you know, we've, we've given you some movies to listen to. Now we're going to give you some other stuff. Yeah, so, uh, so Havoc, if you, if you remember, what we do here is, is just anything that you've been into recently, literally anything that you might want to recommend viewers or you know, listeners uh, get into. For instance, in my case, I'm recommending or I'm suggesting a YouTube channel that I've suggested before called Stuff Made Here. It's a guy who is an engineer. He's a brilliant engineer, and he just makes crazy stuff. I first came on to him because he made a 50 caliber baseball bat. Okay. <laughs> and uh, and he and he supposedly broke the record for how far you can hit a baseball with a bat using the 50. Uh, you know, something over like 770 feet or something like that. So, but he's also done things like he made a basketball hoop that you can't miss. Because it will move to wherever you throw the basketball. Okay. <laughs> uh, he made a uh, uh, like a CNC machine that carves detailed art into jack o' lanterns. He made a <laughs> a golf club that you can set a distance in, and then it will figure out how fast and what angle you're swinging mid swing and adjust the head. To make the ball go much closer to the distance you're trying to make it go. Wow. So, and he just today uh, released a video, I have not watched it yet, called Automatic Pool Stick versus Strangers with a, uh, <laughs> with a picture on the front that says something like $100 to anyone who can miss a shot. So, so does the 50 caliber baseball bat, like, does it use? A cartridge to like swing the bat somehow no no so it, you hold it he wanted to make one that you could actually hold uh -huh. but half, halfway up there is a special um device and again you should just watch his he's got like a 20 minute video about this okay i gotta but check that out he's got a special uh device that's like built into the bat that takes 50 caliber blanks you know for safety uh -huh. they're still blanks sure uh, but what happens is, if I remember correctly, so the plate on the front where the baseball hits presses in and it has firing pins that press into up to four individual uh, blank bullets, which uh -huh. causes oh, them to ignite. It shoots gas down one side that then pressurizes the, the these like uh, pins that are connected to the plate, thrusting the plate out at high speeds, which pushes <laughs> the baseball in. So that's crazy. Wow. 
All it's right. it's well, wonderful. I didn't know I, I didn't know I needed that in my life, but I guess I guess I do. <laughs> yeah, again, his channel is just called Stuff Made Here, and it is wonderful. Oh man! All right, I guess I have to check that out, dude. It's blowing my mind already. All right, or <laughs> your suggestion? Uh, I got a book suggestion. I just finished Bane Blade by Guy Haley, which is, if you don't know, a 40k book, and it does something really interesting. The plot is. This tank crew of a Baneblade has been assigned to fight on this planet that's been, you know, fighting back a huge orc invasion. But nice. what it does differently than a lot of ones is it reminds you orcs can be scary. And a lot of times in 40k, you know, orcs are played for humor. Haha. These orcs are legitimately terrifying with nothing else than reminding you of like, no, they're big and they're strong and they torture people. But also these ones are smart, hmm. like smarter than your average orcs. So you get this really great... The whole story is kind of told from, you know, inside this uh, Baneblade, which is a big-ass tank, as they're trying and fighting a desperate war to beat these really smart orcs and kind of flashing back and going, and here are these orcs torturing people horribly, because they did it. But they don't, he doesn't go lean full and dark. Like, there is a point where you meet the orc war council and they're all wearing tattered imperial robes and big hats because, you know, well, they're smart orcs, so they're going to act like the imperial <laughs> officers. But then they go right back to, you know, brain torture. And it's just really, really well-written, really good stuff. But it was, I just, I want to suggest it because it's been a while since I've read a book with orcs where the orcs kind of made me go, oh yeah, they're kind of scary. Yeah, should be, yeah. Dan, do you have, uh, or Havoc, <laughs> whatever's comfortable. Do you have anything yeah. that whatever, you've been whatever into? Whatever you want to call me, man. Uh, and you know what? I am watching right now, which is turning out to be really amazing. I don't know if you have Disney Plus and you've caught up with WandaVision yet. You guys watching it? Yes. Wanda, WandaVision's watched, incredible. Holy I've shit. I've watched the first three episodes so far. Oh my god, dude. It is like so, like, it. For, uh, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't sure what to expect whenever I was watching the previews for the show, and I was like, this is yep. crazy, right? And then the first show, like, it doesn't really give you anything, and then, like, it's really, like, taking its time to, like, give you, like, the whole story, but it's, like, 100% worth it, and, like, last episode, like, blew my mind, and just the more they give you, like, the, the cooler it gets. And I'm, like, not a huge, like, Marvel fan. Like, I like the Marvel movies, but they've kind of, like, all bled together for me, so that the fact that this is so different and, like, has such a different, like, feel and flow to it, like, I'm really into it. I'm really digging this show. Yeah, sorry. I, I have seen at least two of my favorite reviewers refer to it in some way as basically the most David Lynchian thing David Lynch didn't do. <laughs> That's probably a pretty good explanation of it. I mean, it's just it's just so like unexpected. And like, I think that's why it's so good. But then, you know, it, it's you get the information and it starts to come together. But like it, the fun part of it is going, what is going on here? Like, I don't understand it at all. Yeah, it's so good. I'm, I'm really into it. All right. Well, then, uh, Ulrich, you want to take us into the outro? Yeah, well, thank you all for listening. Be sure to share this with all your friends so that they can find us, so they can listen to this, so they can enjoy the gift of podcasting, because that is how this podcast will continue to survive, is more people finding it. Yeah. And we want to, once again, just for, you know, to, to get it really across, thank Havoc for, Lonely Havoc, for joining us, for having this great conversation. Thank you for having me. And whatever platform you're currently listening to us on, whether that be SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Pocket Cast, Spotify, or iHeartRadio, thanks. And if there's another platform that you'd rather us be on or you'd like us to be on as well because it'll be easier for you, it will be next to all your other podcasts that you listen to so you don't have to go to some weird other site where you just listen to one podcast there, well, you know, tell us what that is and we'll try to make your life easier. As always, this has been Lord Commander Ulrich. And his shield brother, Axel Wright.
Be sure to tune in next time, and as always, stay honorable.